a car company stock gaining over 300% and becoming the biggest company in the world for just one day, and a short seller's worst nightmare. Which car company, you ask? Nope, it's not Tesla. This is the story of Volkswagen. Welcome to another episode of the Fool's Gold Podcast. I'm Brian, the stock market fool, and on the other line, we've got Ryan, the crypto fool. Ryan, how's the the crypto market looking these days? Brian, I got to tell you, I'm full of guilt. You know, our last podcast, the last episode, we just talked about XRP and talked about, uh, you know, how XRP is trying to play nice with the governments and, and all that jazz. And then XRP gets slammed with a lawsuit from the SEC, and the price of XRP just plummets. And boy, I feel like we—I feel like we jinxed it a bit, you know. I was just thinking the same thing. How much did it go down by, like 70 percent since we? Yeah, it? it was it was it was around sixty cents, I think, uh, per XRP when recorded, and then now it's about twenty cents. So. Oh my gosh, is this going to be a trend? Are we going to like? make things crash today we're going to be talking a little bit about tesla so maybe because we're talking about it will be the reason that it <laughs> finally crashes do you, do you think yeah, it's possible? yeah we should start selling out of our our positions before we record our podcast i will say hey you know bitcoin and ethereum have done great since we have recorded so you know right, there we go <laughs> half glass is half full right 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 i guess we'll see but Like I said, we are going to talk a little bit about Tesla and also another car company that I think you'll find interesting. But I picked this topic because I've gone down a weird rabbit hole. So don't judge me, Ryan, but (laughs) I've been doing lots of research on racing simulators since I got like a car racing game for Christmas uh, for for my Xbox. Have you ever looked into that, gotten into that at all? Uh... No, I, I can't say I have. Uh, the closest thing I've come, Brian, is is I I used to play with Hot Wheels when I was little, oh, and yeah, and, I, and then I had a there was a computer Hot Wheels game that I would play. That's kind of like a simulator. Yeah, it's completely different. Okay. <laughs> I used to play Need for Speed. You know. Okay, okay, you're getting there. Okay. Um, so I guess there's a whole community of people that have these car simulator simulator setups in their house with like a car racing seat you put on your floor with a <laughs> fake steering wheel. It's, it's a big thing. Okay. So if any of you listeners are racing simulation enthusiasts, you should contact us and give me some tips because I'm, I'm getting into it. I'm a newbie though. So, so, wait, so, so describe so real quick. Sorry. A bit, describe this. Like you have like a driver's seat and a steering wheel and a brake. Yeah, like yeah, how yeah. far into this are you, does this go? Oh, you Do you can, have like a, a, a um, an airbag? Like, no, no, not, not that crazy. <laughs> okay, but so think of like a arcade, you know, like where you sit down and it's like a car racing seat. You know, you got a big screen in front of you. Um, so people have like things similar to that. Obviously, not as like high tech, but you, you like some people even make their own. You know, like they'll mm. build it out of, you know, they'll buy the seat and then they'll create some kind of rig and you have like your pedals and your steering wheel and you can play for the computer so anyway it's it's a it's a big deal do you you have a cage that goes around you too or is it just like a standalone usually not no Mm -hmm. usually it's just 
But I mean, I don't really have any space in my house for something like that. <laughs> but maybe in the future, I mean, we'll see. I, I'm thinking about getting one of those steering wheels, though. I think it'd be fun. But I have a Mario Kart steering wheel if you want that. Oh, that that that's you know, not the same at all. Okay. <laughs> but because of this rabbit hole I've gone down, it's caused me to start thinking about the car industry and some interesting things that have happened to different car companies and stocks in recent history. Remind me, Ryan, what kind of car do you drive? A Toyota Camry. Actually, you know, my personal car is Toyota Yaris. That's what I drive. Okay. <laughs> so I drive a Honda Civic. So we're, uh, we've got some good, reliable, boring cars here. Yes. Um, have you ever owned or dri- dri- driven, drove? Uh, a Porsche or Volkswagen. Am I am I saying that right? Is that Porsche Porsche or Porsche? I feel like Porsche is a girl's name. I I've always heard Porsche, but okay. I, you know more about cars than me, Brian. So well, we'll, I mean, de- I, we'll default to your well, pronunciation. Well, I'll say Porsche because I think that's how it's supposed to be said. But I've always said Porsche, but I don't know. So okay. I apologize if I'm saying it wrong. I, sure, it sounds like a thing of true lovers of cars would call it Porsche. I I get that. Yeah, exactly. But so you you've never driven one, right? Or no, one? no, never. Okay, me neither. But obviously, you know what they are, right? Yes. Okay. So Porsche or Porsche, however you want to call it, and Volkswagen have a complicated history with each other throughout the years. But Porsche was started by a guy named Ferdinand Porsche in 1931, and Ferdinand actually designed the iconic Volkswagen Beetle for Volkswagen. Hmm. But a big part of the relationship was because Porsche relied on Volkswagen, which I'm sure I'm saying Volkswagen wrong too. Shouldn't it be like Volkswagen or something? <laughs> well, <laughs> sure. <laughs> Sorry. So that, not you. to offend any of my our German listeners oh, if goodness. we have any, but, um, but <laughs> I forgot where I was at. <laughs> but a hey, big part of the relationship was because Porsche relied on Volkswagen for some of its manufacturing. Um, but the main part of our story takes place in 2008, but there was certain events that happened leading up to this story. Are you, are you ready for the story, Ryan? I'm ready. Okay. So our story starts in 2005 when Porsche announced that it intended to acquire 20% of Volkswagen shares. And you may be thinking, why would they want to own part of Volkswagen? Well, that's what, that's they, what I'm thinking, yes. Yeah, exactly. Well, they were worried about Volkswagen becoming a takeover target. And if they got new ownership, that could be potentially bad for Porsche's manufacturing agreement with them. And at the time, Europe had some interesting laws in regards to takeovers. So in order for a company to take over another company in Germany, they would need at least 75% domination of shares before a company can be under full control of the acquirer. But Volkswagen actually had a law specifically for them that you would need to own 80% of the shares to control the company. Hmm. So it was a little bit more um, than just what you know the law was. Um, which, so that was called the Volkswagen Act that was established in 1960. Okay. Following so far? Yeah. Okay. It has its own act. Wow. Yep. <laughs> There's a state in Germany called Lower Saxony, and they actually owned 
20.2% of Volkswagen already. So technically, nobody would be able to acquire Volkswagen as long as Lower Saxony wouldn't sell their shares because nobody could get up to that 80% threshold besides Lower Saxony, which they weren't going to do. They, you know, they're like a state, you know, like a government, and they weren't going to own Volkswagen. So, which begs the question, if no company could acquire Volkswagen, why was Porsche worried about a takeover? Well, they were worried that the Volkswagen Act could be overturned by the European Union, which it seemed like it could be a possibility, so that would be possible for a takeover, right? Because it would reduce it down to 75% mm. needed. But Porsche said the following year in 2006, don't worry, we're not planning on obtaining more than 22% in the company, you know, so but we are going to increase our shares in Volkswagen to help reduce that chance of a takeover. But then Porsche changed their mind and they said that they wanted to own 25% of the shares because that would block anybody from getting over that 75% threshold to control Volkswagen if for whatever reason the Vol the the uh, Volkswagen Act did get overturned. But then they also said, don't worry, we're not planning on obtaining more than 30% stake <laughs> in the company. Okay. Well, the next year, in 2007, Porsche announced that they had taken a 30.9% stake in the company. Mm. But they kept telling everyone they just want to ensure that Volkswagen is not going to get taken over and they aren't going to try to take over the company. Well, later that year, the Volkswagen Act is overturned. And a company would only need that 75% stake in the company to have full control. Well, in the spring of 2008, they then announced their intention to own a majority position in Volkswagen shares, which would be just over 50% of the shares. But they said, don't worry, we're not planning on acquiring the company. <laughs> Remember, this was this is in 2008, so... Uh, just a few months later, the financial system, you know, was in shambles and the market went into a bear market, but Volkswagen stock price kept going up and everybody knew the reason why. It was because Porsche was buying the shares and all the investors thought, hey, after they're done buying these shares, this stock will go down just like the rest of the market. And auto companies at the time were doing really bad. And General Motors was heading into bankruptcy, and Volkswagen was looked at as an, another bankruptcy candidate. So this was seemingly a perfect scenario for the short sellers. Are you are you familiar with short sellers, Ryan? Hmm. I assume you're not talking about height of a trader, a person. So not really. Yeah, they're very very small. You know, little people. <laughs> Sellers. Yeah, no, I, I've heard the term. I, I don't really, okay. not never done it though. Not familiar. So too a, familiar. a short seller is basically an investor who thinks the stock price will fall, and so you make money if the price goes down, and you lose money if the price goes up, right? So you're basically hoping that the stock does poorly, right? Sure. So hedge funds were shorting. Uh, Volkswagen. And same with retail investors, they were shorting, and the short interest increased to about 12% of the shares uh, out there, right? So 
pretty big short position. I won't go into like all the details uh, of what was going on, but many hedge fund managers saw this as like a perfect trade opportunity with very little risk. Uh, and, and what could go wrong with a perfect trade setup like that, right? You're saying the perfect trade setup was to short it. Exactly. Yep. Okay. So to take a step back, Porsche owned about 30% with the intent to own about 50%. And Lower Saxony owned about 20%. And then various index funds owned about 5%. So there was potentially about 25 to 40%, 45% of the outstanding shares that were true available float or the, or the shares that were available to buy and sell since neither Porsche, Lower Saxony, or the index, index funds were going to sell, right? So mm -hmm. there's still 25 to 45% of shares out there. Well, this is when Porsche just, just drops the bomb. <laughs> they announce in October 2008, right, in a press release that they owned 42.6% of Volkswagen and also have 31.5% in cash settle options and with an intent to own 75% in the company by 2009. Go figure. So at what yeah. point do we start to worry? They keep saying, don't so, worry. Yeah. So <laughs> at this point, they're, they're paving their way to a domination agreement. And here's the quote from their statement. And this is probably when you have some, some panic, especially if you're one of the short sellers. It says, we decided to make this announcement after it became clear that there are by far more short positions in the market than expected. <laughs> Go figure. Mm. The disclosure should give so-called short sellers, meaning financial institutions which have betted or are still betting on a falling share price in Volkswagen, the opportunity to settle their rele relevant positions without rush and without racing or raising or facing major risks. Okay. <laughs> so you got to imagine that this statement was just a slap in the face uh, from Porsche to all the investors that wished ill on Volkswagen stock price. Yeah, it sounds kind of spiteful, yeah. So they had secretly intended to buy way more shares than they said they were going to buy. And so they were going to own 75% of the company. Lower Saxony owned over 20%, and index funds owned about 5%. Hmm. And there's 13% short interest, meaning there's not going to be an, you know, any sellers or not enough sellers to make this stock go down because those three groups aren't planning on selling. Right. So this, this created a huge supply and demand issue, which caused short sellers to cover their shorts because how are you, you going to make money on a stock that isn't going to be sold? Sorry, Rick, what does it mean to cover your short? Basically, you got to exit your position, right? And when you're shorting something, you have to go basically. You basically had to buy the stock um, in order, because if you just keep let it go and it's not going to go down, it's going to keep going up. Then you're going to lose more lose and more money, money as, gotcha. as the price goes up. So when this happens to lots of investors at the same time, this causes what's called a short squeeze. Have you heard of that that phrase? Uh, I've heard of it. Yes. A short squeeze causes the price to go higher, which then leads to more and more short sellers to cover. It's like a domino effect. Mm. It's like trying to get toilet paper, you know, earlier this year. There's there's <laughs> no there's no product to sell, so the price 
keeps skyrocketing by just random strangers, you know, sure. trying to sell on, on the road or something. Um, <laughs> so this was, to top that all off, this was announced over the weekend. So the short sellers couldn't do anything mm. until the market opened on Monday. <laughs> so you, you got this situation where you've got this huge short position where they all know at the same time that there really is not going to be any sellers of this company. And they're all going to need to have to cover their shorts on the same day, the <laughs> same morning, right? Recipe for disaster. Mm -hmm. So get this. It caused the price in a matter of two days to go from in the 200 euros range to over 1,000 euros per share. Oh. And it briefly made Volkswagen the most valuable company in the world, worth over $300 billion. Oh. And this Volkswagen? Is in, yes. And this is in 2008, during the financial crisis. So it's not like, <laughs> you know, we were like record all-time highs, you know, in the, in the market. So anyway, wow. apparently there was hedge fund managers like this is pretty sad but like literally in tears on the phone as they covered their positions like some were like ruined you know like mm. lost everything and i'm sure there's lots of people that made lots of money you know if they're long volkswagen yeah. and one one fund manager said this was supposed to be a very low risk trade and it's a nuclear bomb <laughs> which has gone off in people's faces. <sighs> this is probably the biggest short squeeze in history. It is a short squeeze to infinity. <laughs> and some of these hedge fund managers were some of like the most successful in the industry. Like, have you ever heard of the uh, uh, hedge fund manager Steve Cohen? Uh, sounds sound familiar. familiar. Yeah, it does sound familiar. Yeah. So apparently he's like legendary. Um, a lot of like people, you know, investors know him. So he said that his fund alone uh, had lost $250 million in just one week on Volkswagen. Oh, oh man. All right, so the, the story continues. Well, then Porsche came to save the day. Oh, boy. Good, good old Porsche. Good old Porsche. They, they announced that they would make 5% of the shares they held available to purchase. Yay! So they said that they would be willing to do this because, to quote, avoid further market distortions and the resulting consequences for those involved. So this allowed them to sell for huge profits and made them about $10 billion in a few weeks. I was going to say, who who's benefiting from this? <laughs> they make it sound like they're just doing a service to the general public, but... Oh, yeah, yeah. They're, they're being gracious enough to let the shorts get out of their position. Um, so there were some questions about if this was market manipulation and a spokesman for Porsche said, we vehemently, I don't know how to say that word, reject the accusation, accusation of share price manipulation. The ones responsible are those that speculated with huge sums of money on a falling Volkswagen share price. <laughs> like that, that statement right there just kind of rubs me the wrong way. They still like, sound a little spiteful, like a little I uh, know. bitter. Right, exactly. Like they're like shoving it in their faces. <laughs> like, hey, you shouldn't have shorted us or, or Volkswagen, a company that we own majority of. Um, but there were their headlines eventually starting to come out that would say things like Porsche 
a hedge fund that sells cars on the side. You know, things like that. <laughs> so the end of the story, their share price did, so Volkswagen's share price did come back to normal levels after the roller coaster ended. You would, you know, you probably would have thought that Porsche would have purchased Volkswagen in the end, right? Well, there's a twist to the story. Mm. Any any clue what, what happened next, Ryan? Well, so make sure I'm up to speed on where the situation is. So they okay. sold 5%. So they're back down to 70%? Well, I think they were, they didn't technically get up to 75%. They oh, had okay. options to get up to there, get up basically. There. So, yep. so they they did actually buy up to 70% or no? Well, that's where, that's what we're going That's next. where we're going yeah, next. So okay. You, yeah, you, you've got the right flow here. Okay. Well, lo and behold... Porsche didn't have the cash available to buy the remaining shares needed to have control of Volkswagen. Up to this point, they had been buying their their, their shares by taking out loans, and they could have gone into more debt in order to get the amount of shares needed, but because banks weren't taking risks and loaning money during that time, uh, they they weren't able to do that because it was the financial crisis. So they couldn't buy the rest of the shares and the loans they took out to buy the previous shares came due and the banks wouldn't refinance the loans and they couldn't they couldn't pay for it and they were looking to file for bankruptcy oh uh, but somebody swooped in to save the day and loaned them money to avoid bankruptcy and guess who guess who loaned them the money Ryan I don't know Brian who loaned them the money Good old Volkswagen. Um, they helped out their fellow comrades and investor. So, but Porsche needed more money just a short time later, and Volkswagen was willing to bail them out again, but this time with a heftier cost. They had to allow themselves to be purchased by Volkswagen. <laughs> so in the end, Porsche owned 50% of Volkswagen, but Volkswagen owned Porsche. <laughs> Oh, so the corporate structure is really, really strange with these companies. And yeah, so it's, that, it's kind of random. Is that still true today? Is that how it exists today? Honestly, I don't know. I didn't I didn't look today to see where it actually went. But I thought this story was really interesting. But just to top it all off, I will say uh, Porsche CEO, Wendelin Wydeking, I don't know how to say his name. So he became CEO back in 1993. And he was able to negotiate a contract that gave him almost 1% of the company's annual pre-tax profits as a bonus. Mm. And at that time, Porsche was losing $150 million per year. But in 2008, as a result of this, you know, infinity squeeze, (laughs) Porsche earned a bottom line profit of nearly 7 billion euros. So for 2008, he received a bonus of $80 million. Ooh, okay. So he was then pushed out of Porsche in 2009, but was given an additional bonus of 50 million euros on his way out <laughs> by the end of 2009. So King he actually made the cover of Fortune magazine being named European Businessman of the Year. And even Stephen Jobs was mentioned on the cover of the same magazine as him. So, what? crazy story. Wait, wait, wait. First of all, did you say Stephen Jobs? Steve Jobs, sorry. Oh, okay. Is his name <laughs> Stephen? I, mean, I don't 
I don't know. I actually just accidentally said <laughs> okay. Steve. Well, but also, Steve Jobs. He, he made the cover while being kicked out of a company? <laughs> Apparently. So, like I said, this this whole story kind of just rubs me the wrong way. It just seems so weird and corrupt. And the way the story ended, that they didn't even have the money to do what they said they were going to do, which caused all the chaos in the first place, it just seems like they kind of knew what they were doing and, you know, and with the confusion that it was going to cause. But, yeah, but it, I don't know. It's speculation. But I, I, I was tracking that story thinking about the, you've heard the old uh, proverb with the camel in the tent where he sticks his nose in the tent and his master. Have oh, okay. Well, I'll, just briefly. So the camel is sleeping outside. The master's inside the tent. And uh, then the camel's cold or something like that. And so he sticks his nose inside the tent. And the master says, I'll allow that. That's okay. And then and the camel's still cold because the rest of his body's cold. And so he sticks his head inside the tent. And the master's like, oh, that's okay. I'll allow that. And then, and then the camel sticks his neck in. And it keeps going until basically the camel's filling up the entire tent. And the master has nowhere to stay inside the tent. And so then... That the master has to sleep outside, or something like that. <laughs> but 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 then there's that twist at the end where the camel ended up being consumed by the. T- I don't know. Like, right. A, right. A different twist, and so it, it doesn't quite track with that proverb. But anyway, that's a good one. That does kind of relate. That's interesting. That's where so, that's yeah. where the the phrase uh, if you give if you give them an inch, they'll take go a mile. Go mi- something. Uh, well, maybe that. Yeah, yeah. That's from anyway. If you same, give a camel same kind of concept. <laughs> anyway, yes. <laughs> so kind of crazy story though. I, I had I'd never heard that about Volkswagen and, and and Porsche, but and then didn't they like just a few years ago, like Volkswagen had some major issues with their vehicles where they had to like recall, or am I thinking of Volvo or I can't remember, but I don't keep track of those, yeah. I don't yeah, know. I can't remember, but some sketchy stuff that's gone on, but mm. All right, so it's story number two, which is not really a story, but I wanted to end our discussion today by transitioning from this despicable car company <laughs> story to the most beloved car company of them all, Tesla. Mm. So quick anecdote about Tesla. This year, Tesla made me have my first dad investment story that I can share with my kids one day. Oh, have, have you had your coulda, shoulda, woulda investment experience yet that you'll share with your kids, Ryan? Uh, I have not ever thought of that. I don't know. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure. On, you, you, you have you ever had your dad say something like, "Hey, back in the day, you know, there was this stock and." You know, I should have put in a thousand dollars. I'd be worth ten million dollars today. You know, have you, <laughs> haven't you ever had anything like that? Not from my own personal dad, no. But uh, I, I could see that happening. Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, I've had plenty of those from my dad. So, so I actually started dabbling in trading, like individual stocks in 2017. So just a, three years ago, a little over three years ago, and I went back to look at some of the investments I made when I first started. And I didn't know much about individual stocks a few years, years ago. So I remember just looking up on Google, which stocks should I invest $1,000 into? Okay. Have you ever done that, Ryan? Be honest. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tesla popped up as one of the names on the article. So naturally, I decided to invest my hard-earned money I made in my 20s into Tesla. So I actually bought three shares of Tesla, about $370 per share. Hmm. Um, so just 
over a thousand bucks, I think. I ended up just selling it a month later because <laughs> I didn't know much about the company and I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, but that was before the five for one stock split that just happened. Oh, uh, so that would have given me about 15 shares of Tesla today, which would be worth about $10,000. <laughs> so that will be my first dad investment story. If I had not sold, I could have made that $1,000 turn into $10,000 in just three years. So that's, that's my coulda, shoulda, woulda story. Yeah, and then you could have built yourself a, a dirt racing simulation uh, rig right? with that money. Exactly, yeah. <sighs> so instead of going over like the whole story of Tesla, I wanted to share just random interesting facts or moments in Tesla history. Does that, does that sound like fun, Ryan? Sounds like fun. Okay. All right, number one. Did you know Elon Musk isn't the founder of Tesla? Oh, really? You didn't know that? Did not know that. I didn't know that either. Tesla was actually founded by Martin Eberhard and Mark Tappernang in 2003. Hmm. And in fact, the co-founder, Eberhard, had a hard time finding a name for the car business. And he would ask his girlfriend, you know, her opinion on different ideas he had and one time they were eating dinner at the Blue Bayou in Disneyland. Okay. Uh, have you ever eaten there? You know, the one that the yeah. Pirates of the Caribbean I've never ride? eaten there, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I know. Yeah, me neither. Well, and he thought of the name Tesla, you know, in tribute to Nikola Tesla. Huh. Uh, and he mentioned it to his girlfriend and she liked it. And he's like, oh, that's it. And, and his, you know, the other co-founder liked it too. And so that's why they named it Tesla. So kind hmm. of a random fact. But but yeah, Elon didn't join Tesla in two until 2004 after he invested about 6.3 million dollars um and then the founders actually left the company and elon took over okay yeah interesting hmm. number two tesla went public in june of 2010 opening on the nasdaq at 17 dollars per share and it raised 226 million dollars in its ipo that same year, Elon tweeted that he would, you know, the famous Elon tweets. I'm sure you've heard of those, right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He tweeted that he would take the company private once Tesla, Tesla stock hit $420. So that caused investors to race to grab shares and actually led to the SEC investigating and accusing him of releasing false and misleading information in order to artificially inflate Tesla's stock price. Mm. So he had to pay a $20 million fine and step down from his position as the chairman of the board, but he could still stay the CEO of the company. Wow. Number three, this year, 2020, Tesla's share price doubled in the first four months uh, of the year. And in May of this year, the stock was near $800 per share. I don't know if you remember this, if you heard about this. And Elon Musk tweeted, quote, Tesla stock price is too high, IMO, in my opinion. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, right after he tweeted that, it caused the stock to plunge 10% that day. 
and it demolished billions of dollars in his net worth for oh, him. Goodness. His wish but shall the, be granted. I mean, <laughs> yeah. But as you know, Tesla's new shareholders, they are resilient, and the stock resumed its rally in June and reached an all-time high of $1,800 just a couple months later. <laughs> so maybe even did good for Tesla by saying that. Who knows? Wow. All right, number four, shorting Tesla is the widowmaker trade of 2020. This is from a article on Business Insider and CNN. And so here's some quotes for you. Investors betting against the success of Tesla by selling shares short, which we just talked about, have lost more than $39 billion in 2020. Oh, That's more than the combined amount of uh, amount short sellers lost in Apple, Amazon, Square, and CLTD. I don't know what that company is. So, so far this year, all wow. then combined. Wow. And the soaring value of Tesla in 2020 has spurred 62% of the shorts outstanding to be covered so far in 2020, but the company still remains the most shorted stock in the stock market. <laughs> well, yeah, because you, that... you, you figure it's bound to fall down eventually, right? Yeah, yeah, eventually. <laughs> to put that into context, the U.S airline industry posted combined net losses of $24.2 billion, <laughs> excluding special items through the first nine months of 2020, which is the worst losses in the industry has ever reported. Um, and then Tesla share short sellers lost $8.5 billion in November alone oh. as the company's shares climbed 46% that month. Crazy. <laughs> so what is, how much is it gained this year? Do you have that? I think it's like 600% oh. this year. Wow. Crazy. All right, number five. And this is short and crazy, and this is where I kind of want to end here. But it is now worth roughly as much as the next six most valuable global automakers combined, which are Toyota, Volkswagen, Daimler, General Motors, BMW, and Honda despite wow. having only a fraction of the sales of any of those companies. <laughs> yeah, so, that, that is crazy. Yeah. So Tesla's got a wild ride to it, you know, since it's been created. And it's obviously a cult-like following, you know. Mm. We've got people that are just so obsessed with, with the cars, but also just being a shareholder. You know, it's just like a, it's a huge hype. And there's no way I'm going to try to short tesla you know i'm not going to be a part of that that's just too too scary you know yeah, you because... don't want to be made a widow <laughs> yeah a widow maker so learning about uh, volkswagen and that story and then just hearing some random facts about tesla there's a couple of lessons that i kind of get from this but i first wanted to ask you ryan what, what sticks out to you in those you know those two stories and and any lessons that you can pick out of that yeah. So first question, um, in terms of like sectors of the stock market, are Tesla, is Tesla considered like a more of a tech technology stock? Is it, is there an automobile sector or is that not a thing? That's a great question. And it's a very debated, uh, you know, topic. Um, a lot of people, I guess the ones that would be kind of critics of Tesla would say it's a car company, right? And for being a car company, it's, insane like you know it shouldn't be like by any 
metric. You know, this is the most expensive out of touch stock ever. Right. (laughs) Um, But people that, that are supportive of it see more than that. It is more of a tech company, right? It's, it's going to be a battery, like changing the world kind of company, right? Kind Mm -hmm. of like a revolutionary company, just like Apple or, you know, just, just like Microsoft, right? Computers, things like that. Like this is just, they just sell cars kind of on the side, but they're much more than that basically. Right. To me, I, I, I think it could turn into that. I don't think it is that right now. And I think it's very risky to assume that it's going to turn into that revolutionary type business because right now it is a car company, you mm-hmm. know, and it's not posting a lot of profits, right? And it could. And, but I don't know. I just feel like the risk to reward ratio on this type of investment is very highly skewed. But I do have a, 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 a prediction that may not age very well. And I don't think this is very revolutionary. I think a lot of people have this same feeling, but I do think there's a big investment opportunity for electric vehicle companies. But like with all big trend changing investments, we don't know which companies are going to make it and thrive. So obviously Tesla will be around and the major vehicle companies will compete in the electric vehicle space. But the question is who else will do well is it neo is it you know the hydrogen space with nicola you know nicola Nicola? yeah yeah no one really knows yet but i do think tesla will be in my opinion a prime example and i'm not alone in this obviously (laughs) not that i'm going to short it but i think they're going to be a prime example of a company that is an amazing company but its stock does nothing for a long time while it catches up to its valuation, mm-hmm. meaning the stock will probably trend down or sideways for a period of time. Uh, meanwhile, there'll be better opportunities in that space outside of Tesla because I think there are other great companies that will steal market share from them eventually. But like I said, who knows? You know, My prediction could, could uh, end very badly. <laughs> that sounds like a good take to me, Brian. and it could be a sneak peek to our next week's podcast right we're going to be doing a predictions or what are we calling it well we haven't thought of a title yet prediction predictions for the year or something like that yeah so our our takes on on 2021 you're going to come up with some predictions uh, some bold statements for crypto, and I'll come up with some for stocks, and we'll have some have some fun with that. You betcha. Well, that does it for another episode of the Fool's Gold Podcast. Let us know what your thoughts are on these car company stories and facts. And quick plug, don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter, at Fool's Gold. That's G-O-A-L-E-D. We have fun posting competitions between me and Ryan on there. I invest in the stock market and Ryan invests in crypto. We call it, you know, crypto versus the versus Wall Street. Uh, but join us on there and send us some comments. But until next time, we'll, we'll see you later, Ryan. Talk to you later, Brian.